the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today, we continue our journey through the book of Romans. We begin in chapter 8, verses 1 through 11 this week. Life in the Spirit. Oh, the good parts of Romans, coming up next. Indeed, it's always darkest before the dawn. The Apostle Paul lays out a marvelous theological argument here in the first seven chapters of Romans to show us just how desperate we are in our sin and how desperately we need salvation, how incapable we are of it, and how so very capable God is. Welcome to Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church in Hercules. As we continue our survey of Romans, we move into the victory chapter, if you will, chapter 8, verses 1 through 11, life in the Spirit. Here's Pastor Phil Howard with today's program. We're going to pick up Romans 8, and I'm going to be flying. We're going to try to do 13 verses, but I thought in light of uh, Romans 8, 1, that you need to know the first verse, what he's saying. Look at at 8.1. I must say, when I first started preaching, you know the part of Romans I loved? Was Romans 12. How many of you have heard more sermons on Romans 12 than you've heard on the first eight chapters? I beseech you, therefore, by the mercies of God, present your body, living sacrifice. Boy, preach dedication. Other words, I used to love to preach all the exhortation parts of the epistles. Uh, Get with it. You ought to do the commands, the imperatives. The longer I go, the more I love the first part of the epistle. The reason is people don't know why they ought to behave right. And God spends the first part in the New Testament epistle saying, this is what I've done for you. This is who you are in Christ. This is what I've given you. Now, this is the way I want you to behave. But I started out always wanting to get you to behave right before I could ever tell you how to believe right. And what you believe is how you'll behave, right? You'll live out, really, whether you say that or not, what we really know you believe is what you do. Don't tell that to your kids, but you really are. What you really believe is what you practice. Now watch what he says. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, what's the first thing you ought to ask? What's therefore, therefore? Therefore what? Therefore now. What's the therefore? This is why. Now, take that little sheet and let me give you a two-minute outline of where we've been the last four months. Okay? You got it? Okay, here we go. Watch this. Just we start out the book. How many of you remember those first three chapters and you were suffering from depression? 
Because we're telling you how bad man is, how desperately he needs God. Remember that? Ted did part of chapter one with me. And when you get through, so you mean we're that bad? We're that bad in God's sight. And we looked at man is guilty before God. And we looked at that. Then you finally say, wow, we finally get to the good stuff. Chapter 321. Mankind can be right with God through Jesus Christ. Chapter 3 through chapter 5, probably my favorite chapters in the Bible. Then we begin in chapter 5. 12, that since we're no longer seen in Adam, but we've been translated into a new humanity, and the head of it is Christ, in that new humanity, this new humanity, notice what he does for us in Christ. Takes us from being guilty and condemned, liable to death, eternal death, and he transfers us in salvation, and this is what he does for us. We just, after the cross, and that was chapters 3 through 5, after he paid for the sin, was resurrected, and he imputed to us, he gave to us the gift of righteousness, now he begins to tell us, Christians are people who have been united to Christ. We are in union with Christ. Do you remember that? Just, just kind of fake it a little bit. Okay, you heard it. 512 through chapter 610, I've died with Christ. I've been buried with Christ. I've been raised with Christ. Uh, I'm not condemned in Adam no more because I've received the gift of righteousness in Christ. I'm in Christ. I'm in Christ. I've been united to Christ. If you're a Christian, you've been united to Christ. That's what he said over and over. You must get that. Then he says, You ought to live in light of that union by counting yourself dead to sin, alive to God, offering your body as instruments of righteousness. Christians are under grace. What does that mean? It means that we're not under penalty. We're not under threat. We're under the divine favor of God, the Christian life. I heard a woman here the other day, happened to be from Roman Catholic background, and she said to me, I'm used to living under guilt. I'm Roman Catholic. And I think a lot of church people that way say, I'm used to being guilty. I go to church. I go for the weekly beating. I go for the weekly reminder that I'm not measuring up. Paul is saying, we are under grace in which all liabilities against us And everything that needs to be done for a right standing with God has been done not by you, but through Christ. Your status before God is established by Christ. Why don't you enjoy it? You're not guilty. If you're in Christ. And guilty means liable to penalty. There are no warrants out for your arrest by God. They've been all paid. I wish we believed that. Uh, We would have at least something to be happy about even on April 15th. Uh, So Christians are no longer slaves of sin, but slaves of righteousness. Christians are not under law. Did anybody hear me on seven? I think this is a breakthrough. I mean, no one since Calvin has seen that. No, no, they have. Okay. Uh, 
Now we're going to pick up. Christians are in the spirit and not in the flesh. Therefore, since I've justified you, since I've saved you, since my son went to the cross for you, you are in a status of not being condemned if you are in Christ Jesus. There's nothing against you, nothing in the future that God's going to bring up on you that's going to eliminate your salvation if you're in Christ Jesus. Now, are you in him is the issue. And maybe 20% of you aren't. That's a good average in a church. I think there's probably 20% of you that don't know him. Maybe you know church talk and you may know some, some of the lingo. See, the issue ultimately will be whether God knows you. You say you know him. The big question will be if he says he knows you. Lord, Lord, did we not cast demons at you? Yeah, but I never, notice, this is omniscient. I never knew you. I thought God was omniscient. Didn't he know they existed? The word know there means I never had a relationship with you. So you got to know, does God know you? And so if you're in Christ, he knows you. And you're in a place of no condemnation. So let's look at the life in the spirit. All right? Number one, life in the spirit uh, is a life free from condemnation. Is that nice? I mean, uh, is that nice? It's not nice. It's the gospel. It's wonderful. If you were a shouting crowd, you would shout. In Christ, it's not a, I'm justified, I'm not condemned. Is that wonderful? You know, say it with me. Not condemned. And now it feels weird because you've never said that before, but just try it again. One more time. Not condemned. Say it in the Greek. Not katakrima. Good. You've learned Greek. Uh, there is nothing kata against you to judge. I mean, that's what life in the Spirit starts with. First of all, you know you're in Christ, and all of your condemnation has been settled, not by the Spirit, but by Jesus Christ, because he took care of everything that condemned you. I mean, this is just a recap of where we've been, right? Life in the Spirit. So let me say this. Life in the Spirit is not walking around guilty. Walking around with this heavy load that uh, I wonder if my sins have been taken care of. It was torturous to me. I never wanted to be a Christian because I knew I couldn't live like the Christians I knew. I couldn't measure up. Then, Because nobody told me that all my measuring up was done by another. We all fail, don't we? We all feel that sense of coming short, failed here, failed. And my biggest failure is what I don't do. I've stopped stealing a long time ago, but there's a whole lot of positives that I'm struggling to do. Sometimes it could be loving you. I don't know who the you is. That's impersonal. But you know, that's just an illustration. Uh, Doing the positive stuff is what's the big struggle. Having a prayer life. Oh, I believe in prayer. Do you pray? No. Why don't you? Well, I believe in it. Well, you already said that. Do you do it? Do you study your Bible? Or do you have a Bible, the gold after 30 years is never worn off? It's doing the positive. 
Uh, look what he says in verse 2. Life in the Spirit says, Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. Is that wonderful? And he just said in Romans 7, when he was under the law, he never could get free from condemnation. I'm being sold out to sin, 714. I'm being treated though I'm fleshly. I'm, we translate it carnal. I'm fleshly. I'm being sold out to sin. I want to do the right, but I don't. Is that the Christian life? Here he says it's not. For God has introduced the power for obedience. He's introduced the law or the binding principle, the authoritative principle. It has, now, let's translate it like we th- think it is. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life helps keep me quasi-miserable while I keep failing to obey. No, no. He, set, he liberated me from the law of sin and death, which I would understand to be the sin principle that is stirred up into full heat by the law, the law of Moses coming to a sin nature that is a dynamic thing. A blow-up's going to happen. Don't do it. Tell me what to do, but give me no power. I'll fail every time. Now, in Christ, my condemnation for not keeping the law has been paid. And now, guess what? Penalty's been removed. Now listen, this is great. And now promise has been given. And the promise is the promise of power. Those in Christ Jesus have been given the Holy Spirit's power. And he's a sufficient match for the sin principle in you. He's the only one that can control it. And he says, when we walk in the spirit, we will not act in the flesh. Right? Galatians 5. So, I've been uh, through Christ. He sent the spirit of life and it set me free from the law of sin. That that is my sin principle. Uh, I've been set free. Now, it's interesting. Uh, When you get saved, do you get rid of the sin nature? I know she says she has, but you know she hasn't. Carol and I have fun on that because when I first started the church... Everybody's pretty wild out in sin and just starting out. And one night I taught that we all have the sin nature. And riding home, she said, I'm not sure I do. And I said, well, believe me, honey, you do. And you don't have to be acting in sin. John says if we say we're without sin, we deceive ourselves. First John 1, 8. So we have sin principle. But here's the issue he said in Romans 6. Sin remains in us, but it's never to reign over us. Sin remains in me. That's why I could be tempted. That's why you could blow it. That's why you could fail to do the right. But it is not to reign over me as a master. Romans 6 said this over and over. He says in Romans 7, if I just have the law, the law is going to beat me to a pulp. Because it's not the power to keep the law. But now in the spirit, now I'm a spirit person. He says, I've got a new principle in me, the law of the spirit. Let me ask you this question. If I would have asked you this in um, 1901, let's say. If I would have asked you this question. Now hear me well. Do you believe 
that steel can fly, what would you have said? You'd recommended me for therapy. Yeah, steel can fly. Did you know that? It's called the law of aerodynamics. I was going to bring it in for you, but I didn't have a big pond up here to do it. I just thought if we just tied a rock on the bottom of a piece of wood of good size, does that rock lose its uh, downward propensity to yield to gravity? Does it ever lose that? No, but, but it's, staying, it's floating on water. No, there's another law, another law, the flotation of wood is overcoming the downward pull of the law of gravity on that rock. Now he said, I have put the Holy Spirit in my people because of the work of Christ, and he is the new principle, and guess what? He gives you victory over this downward pull. He, he, this is spirit dynamics, not aerodynamics, spirit dynamics. I say, oh, I can't control my mouth. Can the spirit? You say, you got him. Does he have you? I used to love to cuss. What I loved about being unsaved is I could always sin when I was angry. Hit you or cuss you. And then you get saved and you're stuck. You got to respond right. When new power comes in, he changes your vocabulary. I hear once, some Christians every once in a while, they still cuss. Now, Jim Snyder thinks I do, but I really don't. Sometimes the word is well-placed. I was just thinking, Ted, he said, you know what? When we, every time we sing this song, uh, I mount up like an eagle. He said, I see you up here when you're doing like that bird that time. So that was his image. I said, well... Steve, every time I preach, he sees me preaching about the jawbone of the ass. And uh, so I said, I either look like a donkey in the pulpit or a bird trying to fly. So you got to pick your sermons good. Watch this. Uh, You got it. Some of you did. That's okay. Uh, Because through Christ, the law of the Spirit, this new principle that makes me mount up as an eagle. Say, I know I've got a sin nature that used to lust and uh, have relational attitudes towards people. You know, when you look at Galatians, there's only two sexual sins. There's, I believe, 11 relational sins. Envy, jealousy, hate, strife, division. Guess what? The great way we know a person is now in the spirit is the way they relate to people. They quit be negative towards people because the spirit produces what's his first fruit well go on spirit people now are people who fulfill everything god wants watch this i'm not going quick enough for what the law the law of moses was powerless to do why i thought this was the law of god yeah it was perfect legislation yeah What was the matter? The people he gave it to. It was powerless in that it was weakened by the sinful nature. God gave it, and there's only two things the law required. Either perform it or pay the penalty for not doing it. Performance or penalty. Now watch what he says. Watch this now. What the law was powerless to accomplish in us because of our sin nature, God the Father did by sending his own son in the likeness 
of sinful man. Likeness is not identity. It's similar, but not identical. He was like us, but he wasn't identical because he didn't have a sin nature. But watch this. He sent his son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. What's a sin offering being mentioned? Sin offering is the penalty for not obeying. He sent Christ to be God's penalty for our failure to keep his law, right? We've been through that in Romans 3. Now watch this. But he doesn't leave it there. And so he condemns sin in sinful man. Okay, you penalize us. We're lawbreakers. But notice, there's a, there's a purpose clause. In order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us. Whoa, wait, wait. He sent the son to pay penalty. We're all up on that. But just a moment. He sent the son to perfectly obey the law for us. And he is my representative. And are we united with Christ? Romans 5 and 6 says we're united with his death. We died to sin in Christ. How? We died to its penalty, so we're not condemned. You can't judge me twice. And second, here's the thing we forget. I have been given credit for having kept the law, for it has been performed by Christ in my stead. I have a perfect righteousness before God. And watch this. That the righteous requirements of the law might be met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the Spirit. So everything the law expected, I didn't do it, but it's been met in me. How's this? Through the work of Christ, and the Holy Spirit acts on that. And so now all I do is walk in the Spirit. I'm not concerned with keeping a bunch of laws of Moses or anyone, because when I walk in the Spirit, everything the law demanded, everything the law expected in the way of righteous behavior, I keep it and I excel. Because he says, Romans 13, Galatians 5, to walk in the Spirit is to excel anything the law could demand. Because what were the two great commandments of the law? Love God and love people. Can you walk in the Spirit and not love God and love people? So, the Spirit's in me fulfilling motivationally in me. I want to love God. I want to love people. And then all of a sudden, someone runs up to me and says, oh, by the way, you better not steal from your neighbor. Well, I never thought of it. When you walk in the Spirit, isn't that the light? Oh, I've just been thinking, I just can't wait to get out of this service so I go steal something. No, no. The one eliminates the other. I'm, I'm being born by this greater principle, this greater law of the Spirit Oh, you mean you want to go out and do a little sin now? you got to be kidding. I'm being borne up by this positive principle of the Spirit, and I've died to the penalty of the law, and now the Spirit is performing everything God expects me to do, and I'm not even doing it by Torah. I'm not even reading the five books of Moses. I don't need the five books of Moses to live the Christian life. I went to five books of Moses because it's the Word of God, and I learned things about God, and all Scripture is profitable for doctrine, for rebuke, for correction, for instruction, but I'm not depending on it for my ethical behavior. I'm living in the Spirit, and the Spirit will make me behave right. He will. That's what he says. Now he's going to do something. Are you with me so far? Okay. 
He's going to show you now there's two kinds of people in the world from God's perspective. God does this at times. He categorizes people. In chapter 5, he said, you're either in Adam or you're in Christ. Now, here he's going to do another two categories. Now, watch. He's going to say, you're either in the flesh or in the spirit. And this is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. As we conclude our time together today, we would invite you to contact us if you have questions, comments about the broadcast. Maybe you have a question about your own walk and relationship with the Lord or a prayer request. We'd love to hear from you. Please get in touch with us today. Now, we have a couple of ways to do so. The easiest might be simply visiting our website, truthfortodayradio.org. You can drop us an email. We have other means of contact that you'll find there at truthfortodayradio.org. We also have a lot of resource materials available for your growth and relationship with Christ. Our design and desire is to see that you grow in Christ, grow according to His knowledge and grace. Any way we can help, well, that's why we're here. So stop by truthfortodayradio.org or simply give us a call, 855 833-9864. Again, you can reach us at 855-833-9864. Please bear in mind as you contact us that this is a listener-supported ministry. As you link arms with us financially, we're able to continue the ministry here on this radio station. Prayerfully consider how you might get involved in the ministry of Truth For Today, won't you? 855-833-9864 or write to us. Our address is 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. And that website, once again, truthfortodayradio.org. It is a pleasure spending time with you in God's Word. We trust we'll see you next time we get together for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Truth For Today.